Uh, today's scripture reading will be Psalm 101. If you're reading from the Bible in front of you, it'll be on page 631. 631. I'll give you just a second to get there. And hopefully everybody's there. Psalm 101. I will sing of your love and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will walk at my house with blameless heart. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate. They will not cling to me. Men of perverse heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, him I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land, and I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. And we believe that God will add his blessing to the reading of his word. I'm planning on eating hot dogs tonight, actually. Uh, but, and not because of that. Well, welcome back, and welcome to the finale, the, the message where we wrap up this series that we've been in uh, with a message titled America Online. And this is a series that uh, we've has taken a lot of different directions. I mean, there's a lot of different parts to being an American. And so we started with just some fundamental things that we felt like, man, if we didn't get these things right, then we didn't have a prayer of getting the more practical things right. And so the foundational things at the beginning of all this was just to say, let's put our American patriotism in its place, and that is secondary to Christ's kingdom, that our citizenship is there first, Everything else takes a distant second to Christ and His kingdom. And so if that's the case, then how can we use the things that we have, like the advantages that we have as an American citizen, and leverage those for the kingdom? And, and if that's true, then, then what does it mean to engage politically in, in our culture today, and especially in times like this? Uh, if that's true, how should we conduct ourselves as citizens? And, and today, you know, we're going to dive into a, a very, very specific place as we wrap this up and that is how do we live on the internet because uh, for a lot and increasingly a lot of our population lives a sizable chunk of their life online and and you may be in a a generation or in a place or you may have decided you know that's not for me I'm not going to mess with that stuff and it may all seem weird and peculiar to you and it probably is but the reality is for for our kids for our grandkids they're growing up in this world and and they grow from I mean from a very early age. Teachers require homework. 
to be done that involves online uh, participation and things like that. Uh, this is just, I mean, social media, and uh, th- that's a lot where a lot of people find most of their social interaction now is online. Uh, we we watch shows and, and videos and, and things online. There's uh, the internet has opened up a, a whole new world to us, and it's an interesting world from a biblical standpoint and from a you know if this series is about how to be a Christian in America, uh, well, this is an interesting one because. The Bible doesn't really say much about the internet, right? I mean, we don't know a lot of things of what Jesus would have thought or done with things in our time. Like, we don't know what he would have ordered off the, big, off the McDonald's menu. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know uh, what his favorite college football team would be. Well, okay, actually we do. We, we do. But... Uh, but there's lots of things we don't know, and one of them is we don't know what they would have done with, with social media, with, with the internet. We just don't know, because that's something they didn't have. And so how do we approach this, and how do we say, okay, this is a huge part of our lives now. Uh, you know, if not for you individually, for people in your family, for sure. And, and so what do we do with this? How do we live for Christ online? And so that's kind of the, the specific thing, direction we're going today, though the principles that we're going to talk about today certainly would apply in, in other areas as well. Uh, but, you know, I was interested to find out that there actually, according to some, there actually is some, there are some mentions of the internet in your Bible. And I didn't know this, but, uh, but it turns out if you go to greaterthings.com, which has looked like a really reputable site, uh, <laughs> This guy seems to have really, you know, sound biblical point of view. Uh, but he just pointed out a couple of verses that I had never caught this before. We'll see if you caught it before. But he says that when, uh, when Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net, that he was actually talking about the internet. And, and that when he said that was cast into the sea, that was referring to the peoples of the earth. I mean, how did we miss this stuff? You know, we, we've got to use uh, greater things dot whatever uh, more often because he's got brilliant ideas here. Uh, when it says which, when the net was full, which means when most people were online. Okay. They drew to shore uh, and then he just gets crazy. I have no idea what he's talking about. Something about cities of light and soul contact. And you can tell this guy is on target. And uh, he also pointed out that in Isaiah... It says there shall be a highway. Well, clearly, he's talking about the information highway, right? The internet. I mean, how did we miss this? <laughs> Obviously, everything you find online has got to be true. Right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But no, there's not really any talk of the internet. If you do a, a word search for internet or social media or Facebook, you're not going to find it in your Bible. And so, what are we going to say about this? How are we going to spend a morning talking about it? Well, one of the good things we have going for us is that, in reality, Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about rules and specific stuff. He talked a lot more about the heart condition of a person, about your motives, about love and principles like that. Uh, the Pharisees of his day, on the, by in contrast, you know, tried to make everything about rules. You know, if you just follow the, all these things and you cross your T's and you dot your I's, then you'll be good with God. 
But Jesus had a whole different outlook on it. In fact, a lot of times he wouldn't even cross their T's or dot their I's that they thought he should be dotting and crossing. He just had a different approach. And sometimes, you know, we think of our Old Testament that those Israelite scriptures as being really rule-oriented. And there are rules in there. Uh, But time and again, even there, God says, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. You can follow all the rules, but if your heart is far from me, then what are we doing here? And so it is with this that we can come and we can say, you know what? There's, there's principles in Scripture that can help us in this area of learning how to live for Jesus online. And, and there's one principle in particular that I think is critical when it comes to living for Christ online. And the way that you figure out what that principle is, is you take a step back and you say, what causes most of the trouble on the internet? Now we all know that there's lots of good things online. There's, I mean, ask any any long distant grandparent (laughs) or parent who gets to get on there and see that child or grandchild's face and interact with them when otherwise they wouldn't get to at all. I mean, there's really good things about the internet, but we also know that there's a lot of evil on the internet. There's a lot of temptation on the internet. A lot of us know that after we've spent time browsing around online, we're a more negative person (laughs) than we started out to be. Uh, Sometimes we get online and we do things or say things there that we wouldn't dream of doing or saying in ordinary life, you know? Outside of that. So what makes the internet such a particularly, I don't know, a stumbling block, an obstacle for those of us trying to live for Christ? And I think that the biggest, the biggest reason is that there's, there's no accountability. There, you get online, you can, get, you can be on your phone in a crowded room and you could be having an affair right there in the middle of them all and nobody would know it. Isn't that incredible? The world we live in today. For reasons like that. You know, you, you get in your office at work. Close the door on your computer. Are you doing work? Are you doing something else? It, no one knows the difference. You go home. Go to the office. Get on the computer. You know, just have your hand ready to switch to that other tab. <laughs> Where you're just, oh yeah, just looking at the news, honey. It's a, it's a world where there's just not a lot of accountability. No one is really watching. And so the principle that I think we need more than ever is the principle of integrity. Maybe you've heard it said that integrity is who you are when no one else is looking. You know, when you're off by yourself someplace, how do you, you know, when, when your accountability group, when those in your life, you know, aren't, aren't standing over your shoulder, who are you then? And certainly, this applies when we talk about online. Who are you online? Is it the same person we meet on Sunday mornings? Is it the same person your parents know? That your spouse knows? That your kids know? Who are you online? And we have this incredible psalm. It's attributed to David, King David, of Old Testament fame. Lived about 3,000 years ago. 
and yet his words are so wise when it comes to this issue of integrity that it, it certainly is going to be helpful to us today. And it's interesting. These are words formed about integrity by a man who had a major failure in integrity. I mean, by anyone's standards. When you sleep with someone else's wife and then have that person murdered, (laughs) that's a failure of integrity. And we don't know if he penned this psalm before that happened and then he just failed to follow his advice or if he had that failure and went back and said, how can I stop this from happening again? But either way, we know that just hearing these words today, even understanding these words today, or agreeing with these words today, is not enough to make you do these words. And so for that, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. And that's actually kind of where David begins. I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? Come to me, God. I need help on this. I need help. We need God's Holy Spirit if we're going to lead a blameless life, if we're going to lead a Christ-like life. We can't start anywhere else except that, God, help me. I need your Holy Spirit. And Jesus knew that we needed his Holy Spirit. That's why when he left, he sent us the Holy Spirit. It wasn't enough just to teach us how to live. He had to send us help. And so we rely on help first and foremost. But what does David say? He says, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. Why within my house? Because that's the place where no one else is watching. When everything's private and you're off to yourself. You know, and it's worth mentioning that David's big failure on integrity happened at a time when he decided to stay home when all the other men left town to go to war. And usually the king went with them, but this time we don't know why. Maybe he had a cold. I don't know. He decided to stay home while everyone else went. And so he was alone in the city. He was alone on his rooftop when he looked out and saw Bathsheba alone on her rooftop. Her husband Uriah was not home to answer the door when the messenger knocked and said, we need Bathsheba to come with us. He was alone. Just like we get alone when we get online, whether you're on your phone or your tablet or your computer, more often than not, There's no one sitting next to you, watching the same screen you are. And so we, I I mean, I just have a feeling that if the internet had been around in David's day, he would have been a mess. (laughs) That would have been a huge issue for him because we see what happened in this situation where he got himself alone from any kind of accountability and where it headed. Where does it head for us? And the first, I mean, the, if, if we don't get anything else, because we're going to get really practical today, and we're going to well, let David walk us through some tips and tricks, if you will. But the big truth that needs to resonate in our minds throughout this message today, and as we leave today, is this. Who you are online 
should match who you are in Christ. Who you are online should match who you are in Christ. It feels like sometimes we get this idea that it's like it's a different it's its own thing, you know. We get online and and we don't have to act the same way we would other places. We don't have to speak the same way. We don't have to do the same things. You know, it's a, it's its own compartment. But as we often say, Jesus doesn't do compartments. And so therefore, who you are when you're online should match who you are in Christ. So let's just talk about some of the things that David says in here that maybe will give us some tips and things to consider within our life online in America today. He says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I wonder how much of the things that are set before our eyes online would fall into that category of worthless. Certainly, we know, I mean, things like pornography that are running rampant online are pretty worthless, beyond worthless. But there's other things as well. I mean, uh, you know, maybe you're an online shopper or maybe you, um, on, you know, you love to follow blogs or you love to follow, you know, Pinterest or whatever it is. Uh, and sometimes there's worthless stuff on there as well. And it can lead to their own sets of temptations and challenges. But especially with something that you, you know, you know it's not right. We have to start getting rid of, carving out the things that are worthless online. There's some things online that are even on the surface, they seem innocent enough. But if we're honest, they lead us to a place that's guilty. And so, sometimes you have to carve out something that maybe it's not bad in and of itself, but it's kind of worthless. <laughs> and maybe it even leads in a, in a wrong direction. And so, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You know, we have to be careful that, I mean, think about uh, if you knew you had a, a trouble with alcohol, and yet every morning you woke up and you sat a beer on the counter in front of you, and just looked at it for a while. Would that be a good idea? You know, no. We don't set worthless things in front of our eyes. We don't set things in front of our eyes that we know are going to lead to stuff that we know we ought not to be doing in Christ. All right. So what is that for you? What are the things that are worthless where you find yourself going. Just talk a little bit more specifically about the issue of pornography just for a moment. David also says, a perverse heart shall depart from me. Now, perversity is not limited to you know, sexuality stuff. Uh, that just means like a twisting, a warping. A, you know, God created you one way, Sin, any kind of sin, has a way of twisting, warping our minds, our hearts into something that doesn't resemble what God created. But oftentimes, you know, when we hear that word, we associate it with things like pornography. 
And it's worth saying that there's not much in this world that perverts and twists and warps the way that pornography does. And our society, again, has said, I mean, literally, you can find articles by you know, people that are put out there as reputable sources and resources and put into the mainstream media of people that say, you know, well, pornography is a good solution for some people. Because, you know, it allows them to, to go and do and look at that stuff and not actually have a physically, physical affair, you know. They, they're, they're like not cheating on their spouse by looking at pornography. When every spouse whose spouse did that would feel cheated on. So how does that work, you know. But we have to recognize that when we look at that stuff and we put those worthless things in front of our eyes that it twists and warps our spirits and our minds over time. And that does different things to each human being that does that. You know, and for you it may mean that your spouse will never look attractive enough to you in that way. Because you've set those worthless things in front of your eyes so many times. But for other people it's a lot worse. It takes them in directions they would have never dreamed they would end up in. I mean, the guy in, in our own town, in West Monroe, who was filming child pornography out of his home, I guarantee you he didn't show up that way. You know, he, he didn't arrive on planet Earth with no influences like that to pervert and warp his heart and just say, you know, I'm going to make that. No. You start setting worthless things in front of your eyes and it twists and it warps who you are and you don't know what it's going to twist you into or warp you into. You don't. And so David says, a perverse heart will depart from me. I'll tell you another thing, real last thing, that this does uh, to people, to men especially, but really both, is they lose sight of reality. Like, They'll harass someone at work. And when they get called, on it, called out on it, they're like, what did I do? Because now they think that's normal. <laughs> they think that's acceptable behavior because, you know, what they've put in front of their eyes online says that it is and that worse is. So, you know, I didn't do much. You know, I barely touched you. What's the big deal? Uh, you know, you see news stories that just blow your mind of these, you know, fraternity guys that... They'll rape somebody and then they're like, well, what? I mean, she was just there and drunk, you know? I mean, what did I do? It's not my fault. And their parents will stand up for them. It's unbelievable. And this is what, it ha- this is what happens. When we, in the privacy of our home where no one is looking, we set worthless things in front of our eyes and it warps us and it twists us. We don't even understand what's happening. And then one day you wake up in a situation like that and your reality is so far out from where it once was. And you're standing there like, what did I do? (laughs) Alright, let's move on because there's more to following Christ online than just avoiding pornography, for sure. Another piece of very sound advice that David gives us He says, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. And he goes on to talk about people who are deceitful, spreading lies, things like that. 
He's going to weed those people out of his life. Now, none of us are ancient kings, and we don't need to be going all braveheart on anybody and, and destroying them, you know, like David probably did. But, let's just amend our translation to say that we'll, uh, we'll delete them or block them or, uh, you know, remove them from our inbox or our news feed. These people who are slandering other people, who are constantly being arrogant and prideful, who are spreading lies and deceit. And chances are, if you go online very much, if you have an email account or you have, you know, you get on Facebook or any such place, there's friends that you have, and you know the ones who are always filling up your inbox or your newsfeed with junk. Lies. It's just, it's not a good influence. It's not uplifting. It's no good. David said, weed them out. You know, I'm not saying send them a blistering message about how, uh, you know, and create a bunch of drama. You know, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. (laughs) You know, just hit the delete button. Tell Facebook, don't put this person's stuff on my newsfeed anymore. You can do that. You can block their email address. Whatever you need to do, it just stops showing up in front of your eyes. As Christians, we also need to make sure that we aren't that person. Don't we? We need to make sure we're not the one spreading the lies. You know, being arrogant. Putting the stuff online that either causes our brother and sister to stumble or just is no good for society in general. So that we're not the ones that our friends are having to, I guess I'll take them out of my newsfeed. We need to do that. That means that includes not just what you write or the pictures that you take. It also includes the things that you share, be it an email forward or be it you know, something on social media where you just hit the share button and send it out. And, you know, I don't think that Jesus would be much impressed if uh, someday you say, well, I didn't, you know, like write that. I just, someone else wrote it, Jesus. I just shared it. You know, I don't think it's going to make a big difference. So we just, we want to be people who are posting and sending uplifting things not deceitful things. And let me just take a quick moment and, and to the generation above me, uh, be, before me, that's gone before, if you're much older than me at all, you grew up in a very different world. And I just want to talk to you about this particular issue just for a second. If you go online today, you're going into a world that's very different than the world that you grew up in. Uh, most of you grew up in a world where the mainstream media, newspapers and such, they took their profession seriously. Uh, you may not have you know, liked them all or whatever, but the profession was taken seriously. There were ethics involved. Uh, most newspapers of any decent size, most news organizations hired fact checkers, not the fake kind that they use for pre- presidential debates nowadays, but like real fact checkers that took every story and said, okay, did this really happen? What are our sources uh, you know, it was, it was taken just a lot more seriously than it is today. And you grew up in a world where if it was printed and it looked professional, it was reliable. That's the world you grew up in. 
Well, online, that was never the case. There have never been fact checkers online that require everything that's posted there to be true. There has never been an email forward fact checker, though we wish that there had been. <laughs> There's, it just it has never existed. And I don't understand why, but there are people who take pleasure in crafting complete fabrications and making them sound as true as possible and putting them out there even with no you know, hope of income from it or fame. They just put it out there. And it gets passed around and cycled around by people who want to believe that it's true. There are entire websites now that look like a news website. They're designed to look exactly like a news website, but their whole point is humor. They, they write news stories that sound legitimate, but it's actually meant to be funny. And, and for, the, for most people like my age and older, it kind of just, we don't get it, you know. And, uh, and so I'll see, you know, it's hilarious because I'll see young people post that and they think it's funny. And then I'll see someone older like, is this serious? This is messed up. <laughs> and they're getting so upset about this story. It was never meant to be real, but that's the world online. And we have to, you know, if you grew up in a world where everything that looked printed professionally or whatever was true, then it's time if you, when you go online to take a step back from that and suspect that everything that you read is probably not true. At least most of it. And maybe this is the best way to, you know, the best litmus test. If it sounds too good to be true, <laughs> it probably is too good to be true. You know, if, if it makes you really angry then probably someone wrote it to make you really angry. If it, if it makes you want to share it to all your friends and see, aha, I told all you liberals or all you conservatives, this is what would happen, then probably it was crafted to make you feel that way. You know, if you've been suspecting it for ages that that politician or that celebrity was up to no good and then you see the story that says they weren't, it's probably made up just for you and people like you. This is the world online. And so I mention all of that just to say that if we're going to not be the ones who are spreading deceit and spreading lies, then we have to be careful what we share and what we forward and what we post, even if you agree with it, even if you think that it probably is true, even though they say it's not true. We just have to be careful. Because who we are online should match who we are in Christ. And if you wouldn't do that at church on Sunday morning, don't do it online either. One last thing. One last piece of advice from David. He says, My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. He's just told us who his eyes are not going to be on. <laughs> right? He's going to weed out the population that are not the faithful. Who are spreading the slander and the lies and the, and the deceitfulness and the arrogance. And instead his eyes will be upon the faithful of the land. That they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. Notice where he's putting these faithful people. In his house. In the place where he said he was going to walk with integrity. He's going to surround himself with accountability is basically what he's doing. He's saying, I want to surround myself so that when I'm 
you know, next time, if he's writing this afterwards, he's saying, next time there's a Bathsheba, I'm going to have faithful people in my house that are going to say, what are you doing? Who are the faithful people you've surrounded yourself with? Now, when you're living at home, you don't get much say, you know, who you, who, who you get to live with. And then you go to college. And maybe you move into a dorm room or a house or whatever. And, and maybe they just stick you with somebody. And you say, well, I don't get much choice there either. All I can say is, follow David's advice. And as quickly as you can, find someone faithful to live with you and to room with. If you think that you can room with people with a whole other set of values for four years and come out good, you got another thing coming. So work your tail off. Find those faithful people and live with them, even if they're not as much fun <laughs> as the other people that you wanted to live with. Or if you don't get along with them as easily or whatever. Just find someone. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. When you start dating people, you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. They're going to be having a lot of influence in your life. Surround yourself with the faithful people that are going to help you walk with integrity, not drag you into something that you know you're not supposed to be doing. And the same goes when we're talking online. You're going to be, you know, online with that person. You're going to be texting them, you're going to be sending them messages. What kind of messages? Pick the people that are going to be faithful, that are going to help hold you accountable to what you're supposed to be doing. Parents, if you have kids, you are supposed to be the faithful person in their life online. And our society is handing the internet to kids at a younger and younger age. And like I said, it's almost inescapable because now even in elementary, they're expected to do homework online, etc. Parents, you know, we, we hand our kids tablets. iPads, whatever. We hand them iPods. We hand them smartphones because we want them to have it while they're at school or wherever and at their friend's house so we can get a hold of them we can find them or they can call us if they need to so we put it in their hands so that they'll have a phone but with that phone comes the entire internet what are you doing to hold your child accountable it's not popular in our world today to hold anyone accountable online if you do that for your kids, you're going to be that parent, that mom, that dad, that all the other parents look at and they're like, really? And that definitely all of your child's peers are going to be like, are you serious? You can't do that? That's the world we live in today. But too many parents are abandoning their responsibility no one else is going to hold your child accountable. And no one else is going to look over... I have an aunt. They decided from an early age that when they got an assignment that had to be done online, then someone sat... At, one of the parents sat at the computer with them. 
the whole time. That's inconvenient. Who has time for that? They made time. Because they weren't going to have their kid browsing around on the internet without anyone else watching the screen. You need this probably at work. In your office. Maybe you need to turn your desk where everybody can see your computer screen. You know, at at home, maybe you need to do the same thing. Wouldn't it be better? I mean, the Jesus who taught us that it would be better to, like, cut off your arm or something than to let it lead you into sin. You know, he was using hyperbole. But even something as good and useful as the Internet, wouldn't it be worthwhile just to cut it out completely rather than to let it lead you into something where you're not matching up with who you are in Christ. Or at the very least, just say, you know what, I'm not going to get online unless my wife is sitting beside me. I'm just not going to do it. It's not worth it. What's it going to be for you that you need to do to make sure that you, in your house, is the way that David put it, right? But for us, when we're online... What are you going to do to make sure that you're held accountable? I've mentioned before, there's, there's websites and services that will actually take your entire browsing history from your phone, everything. You can set up all your devices on it. It takes all your browsing history and sends it to someone. You can pick who. I've got a friend that used to, I don't know if he still does, but he sent all of his to his wife. <laughs> he said, I want you to look over this every week and hold me accountable. You know, there's lots of ways to do this. There's lots of ways to hold your kids accountable. But it's not all easy. And it's easy to say on something like this, look, everybody, I mean, this is just the world we're living in, Pastor. Get real. Everybody does this. All my kids' friends, you know, this is the way we live now. Here we are in the 21st century. Get with the times. And Jesus said that our citizenship is with him now. When we decide to follow him, we're saying, world, you can have it. I want Christ. I want his ways. And I believe they're better ways. I believe they're wiser ways. I believe that if the world had all the good, smart things figured out, the world would be a better place. But it's not. And I want better for myself. I want better for my wife. I want better for my kids. So I'm going to live different than the rest of the world says I should. I want who I am online to match who I am in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for technology. God, we thank you for all the ways that it blesses our lives, even helps us advance the kingdom in some really cool ways. We also admit that our enemy is using it in some really powerful ways. Many of us have been guilty of succumbing to temptations that we encounter there. Holy Spirit, we need your help more than anything. We can have all the wisdom, all the know-how. We could memorize Psalm 101. But without your help, 
we'll fall flat on our faces every time. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, help us live lives of integrity. That the world might see the difference you make in us. And maybe we might even save a, a few. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.